Who y'all talking to, man? Oh, check it out. Check it out. This here goes out for all the niggas that be fucking mad bitches and other niggas' cribs. Nigga shit is sweet. Nigga creep up on your ass. <laughs> Live niggas respect it. Check it. I kick flows for ya, kick down doors for ya, even left all my motherfucking hoes for ya. Niggas think Frankie pussy whip, nigga picture that with the Kodak, it's the Mattack, we don't get down like that. Lay my game down quite flat, sweetness when you talk that, petiteness but that ass fat. She got a body make a nigga wanna eat that, I'm fucking with you. The bitch official though, think harder than the missile yo. Try to hit it if she trippin' disappearin' like Arsenio Yo, the bitch push a double O with the five in front Probably a Canavi stunt, y'all drive in front I'ma peel with her, find a deal with her She fuck around and steal, huh? Then we all get laced, televisions, Versace heaven When I'm up in them, the shit she kick, all the shit's legit She get dick from a player off the New York Knicks Nigga trick with dick, get lust, the shit was plush Stressing me to fuck, like she was in the rush. We fucked in his bed, quite dangerous. I'm in his ass while he playing against the Utah Jazz. My 112 CD blast, I was passed. She came twice, I came last. Roll the grass. She giggled, saying I'm smoking on homegrown. Then I heard a moan, honey, I'm home. Yup, don't chrome for situations like this. I'm up in this broad, I know he don't like this. Now I'm like, bitch, you better All right. talk to him. Welcome to the Black Out Test Podcast with your host, Rod. And. Karen, what's up, everybody? All right, you getting better and better. I know you let me introduce myself. What's going on here? Allow me to reintroduce myself. But uh, before we uh, get into that, the first thing I want to do is just acknowledge that today is a huge day in hip hop. It's the day that Big was slain. I don't know why we always seem to celebrate the death of people. <laughs> Malcolm X. <laughs> Big Pac, but you know, just whatever it is, you just want to give a little props to his memory. One of the most influential rappers uh, of all time, one of the greatest, and he only really got to rap for like three years. Um, what's your favorite Big song or Big moment? I have a lot of them. All I know is that on Twitter today, I had me my own personal Biggie marathon. So all I was tweeting was like Biggie songs, and I had myself a blast. I know that for me, I was in high school. I was actually in 12th grade when he passed. So it kind of made me go back to my childhood memories. I have a lot of songs. Yeah, I was a freshman in college. It was one of them 9-11 moments where, you know, you just, you remember where you were when it happened, man. I, I do remember just being like, you know, amazed that, you know, this guy had passed so young and basically in the prime of his career. So I was really... I don't know, I was taken aback when when I found out he died, man. It's just like, wow, this rap shit is just too real, you know? But uh, I think my favorite song about Big is uh, Triumph. Or uh, actually, I'll take it back. It's, it's, I got a story to tell. Yeah, no, I think that's my that, favorite. That one is a great one. And uh, one of my, because I, like, I like a lot of stuff. One of my favorite is What's Beef. Yeah, that's a good one, that, too. That's, that's hardcore. I didn't know you roll like that, dog. Yeah, What's Beef? Beat this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, thug. I know. All right, let's get into the show then. Um, talk about the Oscars a little bit. Well, I watched most of the Oscars, not all of them. I'm, I'm not huge into the Oscar and awards. I, I like movies, but I'm not huge into the Oscars. Nah, because the thing I kind of dislike about the Oscars is that the people that be voting on this crap, 
are not common people. So a lot of stuff to be voting for, nobody has seen in their damn life. Yeah, you know? I didn't. I mean, I don't know that that was the problem this year. What did you? Nothing. What did you think that was that was was so like uh, controversial or so you hadn't heard of? Not really controversial, but it's just the fact that like the movie that won the um the movie of the year. I never heard of that movie. The Hurt Locker? Yeah, I, I never heard of it. And I never, I can't speak for nobody, but I've never seen it. I saw it on Blu-ray. I talked about it last week on the podcast. Yeah, you, but I didn't watch it. Yeah, but it's not it's not an um, obscure movie at all. I mean, it's, people have been talking about it all year long. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. it was I getting I'm Oscar getting... buzz from day one. A lot of it probably because a woman directed it. But Okay. I mean, I, I don't think this year wasn't one of those years where like you know the English patient won or something That's true. where where literally people were just like the only reason they had heard of the movie was because people were saying it might win an Oscar okay the Hurt Locker was a pretty popular film I mean I, I you really could not hear about it at least maybe just on the podcast I listen to but almost every podcast I listen to brought up the Hurt Locker I'm sorry y'all I guess I was in a hole I never heard of it well um at any rate, um, it does get kind of artsy, though, and they do, you know, but it's just like anything else. They award themselves, and it's artists voting on art. I mean, That's you really true. can't hold it against them, I don't no. think. Um, well, let's talk about some of the winners. All right, so Motion Picture of the Year, of course, went to the Hurt Locker, like you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought the Avatar should have won it. Me too. Um, but that's more because I, I feel like a movie is about walking out of a theater and it's that that feeling that you get of just like awesome like wow what did I just watch yeah. and uh, District 9 gave me that feeling um, yes, and in all fairness I watched the Hurt Locker on, on Blu-ray at home so you know maybe if I was in the theater I would have been a little more um, uh, tense because it's about a guy who basically detonates explosives or disarms explosives for the army and it's supposed to make you feel like anything can happen at any given second. And it does a good job in some parts, but others I'm just like, eh. So, you know, but in the theater, I probably would have been more like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Yeah, you get a different feeling in the theater. And then uh, Inglorious Bastards was up for the same award. Derek really liked that movie. Um, I don't think it was movie of the year, but, you know, it was just a good year for movies, man. Precious. Um, which I didn't see, but you know, I could. I didn't see it. I read the book and I had to stop reading it. I'm probably going to pick it up again, but it was too sad. Yeah. And then, uh, performance by actress in the lead role, Sandra Bullock won. Everybody made a big deal about that because she normally plays these goofy romantic comedies. Yeah. And, and, you know, these B movies almost like, it's like one step from straight, straight to DVD yeah, movies. Speed, Speed 2. Yeah. yeah. And a whole lot of romantic comedies. And, yeah. um, you know, she won, and some people made a big deal of it. I, it was cool. I really thought the girl from Precious was going to win because um, she played three movies. She played uh, Big and Notorious. <laughs> and then she played, she played Michael Orr in The Blind Side. So... She and she played Precious, so she played three roles. She and had didn't a lot even get, on in her play, didn't she? Didn't get none of them. Only got nominated for Precious, but um, yeah, I didn't watch The Last Station or Education. I didn't watch any of this shit, mm-hmm. Julia, Julia. So I can't even really get mad about that. I, who cares? And Jeff Bridges won for Crazy Heart, which I'm not gonna see. It looked kind of like a country 
West Country, yeah. some kind of shit like where <laughs> never seen it. It's a, a folk singer or something glow grows up or something. I don't know. Who cares? I I rather watch a uh, Walk Hard with Dewey Cox story. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, Dewey! You don't want no parts of this shit. Uh, <laughs> Morgan Freeman for Invictus playing Mandela. Uh, the dude up from the Hurt Locker. I didn't feel like he really had a great acting performance in that movie. He, it wasn't. I, I think it wasn't really about his acting. It was just a, a intense script or whatever, and the whole you could die at any time. Actually, the brother in that movie was acting his ass off. I forget the, I forget his name, but that dude played that shit. Uh, director of the year, Catherine Bigelow, the lady who directed the Hurt Locker. Um, she used to be married to James Cameron. Yeah, they was joking about them. Yeah. yeah. Talking about how he sent her a Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want, I mean, who knows what kind of, I, I know his wife, his current wife doesn't look good as her and she is blowing up and being successful, but, uh, you know, who knows how that, what, what kind of divorce they had, if it's contentious or not. Uh, and then the other nominees were, uh, Quentin Tarantino for Glorious Bastards, Lee Daniels for Precious, and Up in the Air, Jason Reitman. Um, performance by an actor in a supporting role went to my man, Christoph Waltz, in the Glorious Bastards. Nah, he deserved that one. He killed that role. Yes, he did. He killed it. Like he is, I was scared of him. <laughs> yeah, every scene with him is so intense, you just don't know what he's going to do next. And I loved it. He, he was a scary... Villain. Yes, he was. He was the kind of person. Each other was screaming. You start sweating. Okay, so I'm about to pop off. Yeah. Um, performance by an actress in a supporting role with the Monique for Precious. And she thanked Hattie McDaniels when she won. Because uh, Hattie McDaniels was the first black woman to win. Or did she not win? Mm-hmm. She did win? Yeah. So she was the first black woman to win, I guess, or some shit like that. Or maybe she didn't win. I don't know. Because I thought Holly Berry was the first black woman to win. I don't uh, know. Might have been supporting role. Oh, maybe, maybe in support. Cause yeah, yeah this is supporting. <laughs> well, at any rate, uh, she said, you know, thanks to Hattie McDaniel's for allowing black women to dress up in scarves and be fat <laughs> and and be uh, sassy and win awards, and that's exactly what she was able to do. And uh, apparently, she played a real good domineering uh, mother in Precious. I haven't seen the movie again. Uh, the other people that were nominated were all in movies I didn't want to see that seemed like chick flicks. Um, and then the other thing, Monique thanked her husband for teaching her to do, to not do what's popular and to do what's right. And I was, I believe her because her husband has been doing uh, not what's popular because he's been doing Monique. <laughs> so I hope it That's was right. That's a lot of women. Yeah. And they showed Sam Jackson's face. Did you see Samuel Jackson's face? Uh uh-uh. uh. He made this face when they showed her walking up and they saw her legs and he just kind of rolled his eyes and made this face sideways. <laughs> Sam Jackson is a fool, man. He's a fool. But, um, yeah, so she won and she gave, of course, you know, a heartfelt speech. And I guess we're supposed to forget that she's in like Who's Your Caddy and Airplane 12 and shit or Soul Plane. So. But congrats for her, man. That's a big win. Um, so she uh, she seemed to take it pretty good. Um, and she was on Oprah afterwards yeah. talking to Oprah about it. And Sandra Bullock was there. 
And Sandra Bullock just had a look on her face like, I don't know what these niggas are talking about. It was using all that black woman slang like, yes, I did, my child. Mm-hmm, so you're right. So you're right. <laughs> you know, but uh, anyway. She should learn from adopting that black boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know the rest of this shit. Achievement in art direction was Avatar. And I guess that's their way of saying, like, hey, it was a unique experience. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I can't really. They got a lot of technical. Voice. Yeah, they got cinematography. Like, basically, just like, fuck you, Jay Cameron. Your, your retread story about the the Navi, and, which are just Indians, and the, the whole Dances with Wolves plot. So, they immediately were like, fuck that. So, eh, I get it. Um, I don't really feel like going into the rest of these. So, fuck these awards. Next topic. <laughs> so, you heard about your boy, D'Angelo? What happened? He got arrested. Oh, for the prostitute. Yeah. Wow. Um, How you go from sexy sexy to... May I take your order at McDonald's? What happened? <laughs> Yeah, he looks like, uh, somebody say he looks like old dirty bastard. He does. I mean, he went from how does it feel to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh R&B, R&B singer D'Angelo was arrested for trying to solicit a prostitute. Police set up a sting operation with a policewoman posing as a prostitute, and D'Angelo went for the bait. According to police, D'Angelo offered the officer $40 for sex. Dang, $40. That's how sex costs? Cheap. Man, this economy, man. It's I really, know. Them made the hooker drop their prices. I know, man. Used to be, used to be sixty dollars at least for a half a half, you know, and forty dollars, man. This recession. No, one twenty for everything. I mean, what's Obama, going on here? Yeah, Obama better get this thing under control. But uh, here's where the story gets interesting. D'Angelo tried to pick up the woman in the West Village, a neighborhood in New York known for having tranny prostitutes. In fact, the West Village is so well known for its trannies especially the black ones, that gay men from around the world come there to get it in. Oh! Now the question, was D'Angelo looking for a dude? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Think he wanted some of that brown sugar? That's the wrong brown sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got, he released a statement, his manager released a statement today. So, let me read that. Uh, in the statement, D'Angelo manager Lindsay Gwing, I don't know how you spell that, it looks like Gwing, <laughs> addressed the reports. Um, we know there is a lot of speculation in regards to the arrest of D'Angelo in New York City this past weekend. We would like his fans and the public at large to know that D'Angelo has pled not guilty and is contesting the allegations made against him. Also know that he is in good health and extremely excited about his forthcoming new album. He has another album coming out. What nigga? How, my thing, how you still got a manager? <laughs> you hadn't cut a record in 10 years. I'm not comprehending this. How she get paid? <laughs> Maybe I'm lost. Maybe paying uh paying that brown sugar or something. I don't know. <laughs> no. He's spending his last forty dollars on a prostitute. I, I don't know. think. In euros. Yeah. How's he covering his studio fees? I have no idea. D'Angelo would like to personally thank all of his fans for the outpouring of concern and appreciates if all would allow the American justice system to resolve the matter before jumping to any conclusions. Conclusions. The weekend. The weekend report stated R&B veteran was busted Saturday. So, and then they basically go into uh, 
I guess the real article. Grammy Award winning R&B singer D'Angelo was arrested early yesterday after allegedly offering an undercover policewoman forty dollars for oral sex. Oh, that's why I was only forty. Okay. He was just getting some head, so yeah, I understand that. Just in case it's a training, you know, you like, hey, it was just head, you know, keep your penis tucked. While cruising along in the ah! in the West Village, she was cruising all right. Baby, let's cruise for prostitutes, baby. Don't be confused. Is that a penis? I see. <laughs> D'Angelo, uh, say he had twelve thousand dollars stashed in his SUV. He's a good guy. And he's on. And he's only spending forty on a prostitute. Come on, man. You can get the girlfriend experience for 12 G's, brother. D'Angelo, 36, whose real name is Michael Archer, was in the top of the line Range Rover at the Greenwich and Horatio Streets at about 2.30 a.m. when he spotted a woman who looked to be a prostitute, sources said. He was arrested and charged with solicitation after asking the woman for sex. The sources said his manager declined to comment. And he was a real... Damn, he was previously arrested on a drug possession charge. This is the first time he's been embarrassingly arrested, of course. In 2005, five years after his classic sophomore album, Voodoo, was released. Was that a classic? No, I just remember that one song. He was detained on drug possession and drunk driving charges in his hometown of West Virginia, of Richmond, Virginia. Well, I'll tell you this, man. Well, I just gotta shake my head. He's gonna be on the next episode of Celebrity Fit Club. Probably. And <laughs> sex rehab. Oh, yeah. Maybe Dr. Drew can combine. They can do celebrity fit club sex rehab. Oh, yeah. I look forward to seeing you there, D'Angelo. Man, all I can say is shit, damn, motherfucker. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of motherfuckers, DMX's wife to release tell-all book promises stellar heart-wrecking first-hand account. So, first of all, DMX is an embarrassment to the black race. Just, did he? Did they get divorced or something? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know a lot about DMX's personal life, other than every time he makes the paper. So it's maybe, something ignorant. Maybe yeah. I do know a lot about him. <laughs> I can't believe he out of jail. How he get out of jail again? Yes. Man? What's wrong with you people? The wife of DMX has prepared, reportedly announced plans to release a tell-all book called "Strength of a Woman." Addresses her life with a former Def Jam recording office. Uh, artist. <laughs> I almost say officer because he used to. First of all, he's always running into officers. It's first, it's the first DMX article I read where he ran into an officer. Uh, well, I saw uh, the officer. Yeah. Oh, beat him up. I'm one sentence in and no police yet. I'm amazed. And then the other thing is he tried to pose as an officer once when uh, he was getting arrested. Taking the movie roles a little too serious. Way too serious. According to the reports, the book will offer. Readers, an inside look at her life with X. Why don't they call him his real name? Earl Simmons. <laughs> Re- representatives for Tashira Sim- Simmons have confirmed that with that, a tell-all book titled Strength of a Woman is in the process of revealing a not-so-glamorous life in the autobiographical book. Autobiographical. Anyway. She will be talking about her experience with her family and trying to hold them together through the DMX journey. A representative for Tashira said her story is a stellar, heart-wrecking, powerful first-hand account of survival, family strength, and a chaotic life and the fame that came with that life. Who the fuck is going to read a book by a woman who was married to DMX? That's all I'm saying. 
Is it gonna be in English or Ebonics? Well, how deep that can whole it be? Book gonna say, <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be the whole book. He thought he was a dog. The end. Maybe she gonna write it like DMX. Yeah. The nigga was on drugs. Yeah. The nigga. <laughs> niggas dog, on drugs. Yeah. And dog years. Niggas wanna hug. Yeah. And dog years, many have off rides to be blind as a bat. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what was up with this dude, man. Uh, let's see. And then also on this page, I, I was reading the rest of the page, and this guy even more shit. The baby mother of Rick Ross also released a tell-all book last year. Now, you know that nobody read that shit, so why does anybody think somebody would read DMX's wife's book? What yeah. are you going to say? He cheated on me? I mean, if if that was the case, she should do that at the height of his career because nobody cares right now. Yeah. He, yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, shown as a thisis50.com exclusive, Tia's diary, Deeper Than Rap, is displayed as an image showing one of <laughs> Ross's baby mothers, Tia Kemp. Tia Kemp. I wonder if she's also Sean Kemp's baby mother. You know, multitasking. Ah! With a coming, with a coming May 2009 release date, along with the backdrop of an open journal, there are also images of Tia and Fifty, her and Ross, along with older images of Ross during his early days, surrounded by a small entourage. I hear that she has lots of crazy stories and that she's anxious to share with the world. Hip hop personality Miss Info wrote via her site. Yeesh, remind me to never get my baby mama mad. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to. First of all, I don't want to hear a book from the wife of DMX, and I don't want to hear a book from one of the baby mothers of Rick Ross. Who really thinks these dudes' lives are that fucking interesting? Not me. So he used to be a security guard. If you can't, you know what? If you can't fit it into a three and a half minute rap song, this and the dig, this and the dude, I don't care. If you put like this, if you can't put in the sixteen balls, what is we talking about? Yeah, if yeah, if you can't put everything you got to say in the comp, in the course of ether, then that's ether gonna play while you read the book. If you can get the book as an audio, <laughs> an audio book and ether beat playing in the background, um, that's the only way I would listen to this shit. Cause I, I don't want to read this high school dropout's book about a nigga she fucked and had a baby bod. It's not that amazing. It happens all the time. Oh, anyway. Discuss with both of these niggas. Ha! Um, <laughs> wrote them off the blacklist. Yeah. Um. So remember that dude I was talking about that works at the gym with me, mm-hmm. the older guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently he has a temper and he got into some more shit. Um. He left. He's a diabetic. Okay. So I guess his blood sugar was running low, and you mm-hmm. know when your blood sugar runs low, a lot of times it's almost like the same symptoms of being drunk. Yeah. So um. He he was I. The way <laughs> you ever have somebody start telling you a story and you think like you're on their side at the beginning, and then the more they start explaining the story, the more you be like, motherfucker, you're wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't don't try to make me agree with you. You are the one that is wrong here. Now I have agreed with you for the first 30 seconds of this conversation, and I gotta pretend that we both agree when I'm in my mind I'm thinking, what the hell is wrong with you? That's right. So what happened was he was he left work and they actually asked him had he been drinking at work because he was acting kind of woozy and he said no you know and uh but that is a symptom of that diabetic shock thing okay so um and nobody i guess nobody really understood you know wow. so and then that's something that you ought to tell people man well i think everybody knows he's diabetic okay. so he goes into his car drives home which is in like rock hill or something um pulls over he's he's at a stoplight and he he 
he says he kind of like heard somebody banging on this window and he looked up and uh it was, you know, it was just a, he just saw it was a man, a big dude, slapping on the glass of his, of his window mm-hmm. on the dropper side. And so, uh, he, you know, it kind of freaked him out. So he drove, started, got in his, so he was, uh, you know, started driving off. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's driving real fast, and all of a sudden the police fights are on behind him. Oh. And he, he and and it must have been a police officer that was slapping on his door. Okay, but he didn't know. Yeah, so he gets off at the, he pulls over at a gas station, a little bit, you know, like down the road because it's well lit or whatever. And while he's in the car, the police officer comes over, busts open his driver's side window, and hits the door of his car like, "Get out, get out!" He uh he he gets out the car and starts cursing at the police like. Motherfucker, what are you doing hitting my car and all that stuff? And uh, so the police basically take him down, you know, mm-hmm. rough him up, rough him up, uh, put him on the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a couple marks on the side of his head where he said he got hit. And you can see the marks, man. So, I mean, I believe him. Um, but this is like, the, imagine me telling you this story, but the whole time telling it from the perspective of the police were wrong. Oh no! Okay, yeah. Because this is what I realized. My thing is with the popo. If you do anything to make them have to do extra paperwork, you will pay. Yeah. And well, see, the, the one thing is the police didn't know he was diabetic. Yeah. So um, they probably assumed he was drunk. And you sped off. Now it'd be yeah. different if you would ha- if he would have just slowly drove or something like that. But for the fact that you sped off, they didn't know if you had a warrant. They didn't know if you committed a crime. Right. And they he didn't had, know if you had drugs. He said there was like 13 cop cars chasing him. Oh, yeah. And, um, he said, uh, you know, basically when they hit him, he, because, and it could have been, and definitely because of diabetes, he went into a coma, like a diabetic coma, where you basically kind of freeze until you get some type of sugar or insulin or something in you. Yeah. So he had to go to the hospital. So they did like about $2,000 worth of damage to his truck. Hospital rides like probably eight hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. Yes. I don't know what kind of insurance situation he's in, but um, he basically was just like, you know, I, he's gonna sue the police uh, because he doesn't have the money to pay for all this stuff, and just hope that he can get out of it. Um, and I guess that's not the first time that happened to him. But according to the police, their story was uh, a lady called, said he sat through three cycles of a red light. And oh. they just came out there basically to check on him. They probably thought he was drunk because he slumped over at the wheel. Okay. And then all this shit happened, and it was basically diabetes. So. Um, and he would have been better if he'd have rolled down the road and responded to them or something like that, or said, "Hey, you know, I I, I think I'm having a sugar low or something like that." Yeah. For the simple fact that a he rolled off that caused just yeah. the whole series of issues behind that. Well, as you remember from last week, he has quite a temper. So, oh, so he was probably he probably was fussing. Yeah, I'm sure he was mouth at off at him. And even even when he told me the story, he seemed kind of like angry that, like like it was their fault. And oh. I don't know how it's gonna hold up in court or whatever. But that's true. I just thought that story was interesting, and I wanted to share it. I feel you. Speaking of interesting stories about people with sugar in their bridges, what's up, Simon Cowell, mm-hmm. dude from American Idol? Mm-hmm. They think he's getting engaged. He kind of confirmed he was engaged. Engaged? Yeah. Um, the famously cantankerous American Idol judge squirmed in his seat 
on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno on Monday as the host dissected reports of Kyle's engagement to idol makeup artist Mezgan Husseini. Mezgan, which is M-E-Z-H-G-A-N. Not Megan, Mezgan. Wow. What just do the Z-H in there just to, you know, just to change it up. Are rumors you're engaged true? Leno asked. Kyle took a moment and responded carefully. Are they true? Well, I do have somebody in my life now, Jay. Yes. And I kind of made a decision this year to make somebody happy. So, I guess that him playing coy like Jeremy with the emails. Wow. Could have just said yes. Yes. I, I always thought he was gay. I didn't know he was straight. Wow. Uh, he seems like a gay dude to me. All that extreme negativity and... Maybe it's just because he's not from America, but that's true too. Came out and plus he's like hosting American Idol. I don't, I don't know. He just came out kind of gay to me. Um, I was expecting him to be engaged to uh, some other dude's cock or something, not ah! to a woman. Um, as the audience cheered, Leno asked about the huge ring Husseini has been sporting on her left hand. I thought she broke her arm. So Simon Cowell responded. Uh, Leno joke. Cow responded, "It's quite a big one." Yes. So. I guess uh, Simon Cow's married or getting getting ready to get married, but uh, I don't know. <clears throat> so uh, speaking of getting married, you heard about this Ohio State shooting? Yeah. Yes, that is a great segue. Um, <laughs> speaking of shooting, he was shooting in his marriage. He was engaging in some firearm play. Yes. So apparently, um, this dude was a janitor. Yeah. All right, I'll read the story. A man apparently angry over a poor performance evaluation entered an Ohio State University maintenance building early Tuesday and opened fire, killing the manager before turning the gun on himself, police said. Larry Wallington, 48, a building service manager at the US OSU maintenance building, was pronounced dead at the scene of the 3.30 a.m. shooting. 3.30 a.m.? Yeah. What the hell were they doing a... What do they mean at 3.30 a.m. for? Well, you know, janitors and stuff, sometimes they have to clean oh, up that's right, in the middle out. of the night. Okay. And they, you know, that crap you do in the bathroom don't get rid of itself magically every night. That's true. My bad. Um, uh, he was pronounced dead at the scene at 3.30 a.m. in the 3.30 shooting. Ohio State University Police Paul, Chief Paul Denton said Wellington, Wellington was a 10-year university employee. Wow. Yeah. Authorities found suspect Nathaniel Brown, 51, a custodial worker, suffering from a self-inflicted gunshot at the scene. He was transported to the Ohio State University Medical Center and was he was dead on arrival. So basically, dude shot the manager because uh, they gave him the poor review and then uh, killed himself. I mean, probably after he shot him, he realized, oh shit, I made a mess. I'm a janitor. I don't want to clean this shit up. It's my last Somebody mess. else doing this work. Yeah. <laughs> Clean up my shit for the last time. A third person, Henry Butler, 60, an operations shift leader, was also shot. He was in stable condition at OSU Medical Center, didn't say it. So basically, uh dude got him a bad uh got him a bad review and decided fuck that shit. Just get another job. It's not that important. Look, he was the, the best damn janitor. What can you do to fuck up a janitor job? Uh, I didn't even know janitors got performance reviews. I thought you either were fired or hired. It was one of those jobs they just be like, don't come like, back tomorrow. It's like, you got two hands, two feet? Can you wipe? You yeah. got the job. 
Like your mopping technique leaves a lot to be desired. And the way you spray Windex is just not. Your behavior on the conference call, uh, it's horrible. Um, I was at the gym talking to my boy Vic, and uh, I think Vic might listen to the podcast. But uh, he he said uh, he was talking about Ben Roethlisberger and how he's like, well, I bet Goodell wants to spend them before the season, blah blah blah, like Michael Vick. Can we stop comparing everything to Michael Vick? Yeah, some, not a lot of black people have mistakenly latched onto him as some type of symbolic, uh, like gesture. Of like solidarity or something. No, Mike Vick is not a symbol of anything other than Mike Vick. He does not. He doesn't represent blackness. He doesn't represent the unfairness of the league policies. He did some dumb shit, and he lied to the commissioner and to his owner and to the police and to the federal prosecutor. And he had to pay the price. And in all in all uh, fairness, he probably got off easy. Uh, time wise yeah, because he's a rich celebrity he did finally plead down it's not like and then he, he did the I'm not going to snitch thing while everyone in his family turned on him and and, and uh, basically testified against him or, or willing to testify against him so yeah. you can't have sympathy for this dude as far as every time someone else gets in trouble that is not black you want to bring up that example because I don't think Roger Goodell's racist. I don't think the NFL's being racist. Uh, you look at Dante Stallworth, who yeah. worked with the police, cooperated with the NFL, told the truth to Goodell, didn't fight anything in court, uh, tried to make consoli- uh, tried to make um, conciliatory uh, actions towards the family, and he got off very lightly. Was suspended for one season, reinstated automatically, back on the field, got a crazy ass probation thing where like he can't even drive for the rest of his life or something. Wow. Yeah. So Dante Stallworth is that dude that's always gonna need a ride somewhere. Say that again. But uh I mean just we gotta stop doing that. It's not the same. It is not the same. But Mike Vick is a case study in how to just keep digging your grave deeper and deeper. And you had every opportunity to get yourself out. That's true. And my thing is that with Michael Vick, he flat lied. He lied to everybody. Like yeah. he was like a politician. He was like, I'm not gonna tell the truth till I'm forced to tell the truth. He thought he was untouchable. I remember he was doing interviews and like the one where he walked out of a banquet and police kinda I mean the reporters kinda pulled him to the side and he goes, Hey man, they ain't got nothing on me and all that shit like Wow. You made it worse on yourself. So yeah, don't compare did. Roethlisberger to that. No. Uh, Roethlisberger, now I did notice he went and got him a, a dream lawyer. The same dude that defended T.I. and Ray Lewis. Wow. So, I mean, he did go get uh, somebody that could beat the case. and So that thing might be heating up down there. That's that's not a sign that it's going away. That's, yeah, all that's saying. true. And, and my, my thing is, let the truth be told. All hoes are not trustworthy, period. Yeah. And when you're dealing with college students and you're dealing with alcohol, that is not the place you want to be. Yeah, she was only 20, so she wasn't even so supposed to be drinking. Wow. So, and I don't, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, is your game so weak that you're hanging around 20-year-olds trying to get some Ben Roethlisberger? And my thing is that you could have went anywhere. You could have went to Vegas. You could have yeah. went to New York. I mean, there's so many other places where you could have chilled with grown-ass people. Yeah. And so he, <laughs> so he basically uh, 
Calm down, baby. Don't get mad at him. I'm sorry. He's just making mistakes. I know. It's women that give it to you for free and you messing with cheering. Come on. Yeah, I don't get that. And then the other thing that's weird about it is, you know, with him getting this 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 hardcore attorney, he already had an attorney that made his original statement. So him getting this defensive attorney, I mean, he's trying to assemble the dream team and bring yes, like is. Cochran back to life and yeah. have zombie Johnny Cochran defending <laughs> him in court. I mean, homeboy is just, he's not mm. trying to just see the case, man. No, he's not. And, and I think, too, that if he was really, really smart, he would stay the hell away from those places. See, that's what you think. But I, I think that's what, that's what they want you to do. See, if I'm him, now is the perfect time to go out and rape it. Because nobody would expect him to start raping right now. <laughs> see what I'm saying? It's like CSI. <laughs> They're like, oh, the rape's still happening. What What's going on? You know, maybe Ben didn't do it. I certainly he wouldn't do it with all this attention on him. He would anyway, be an idiot. Um, <laughs> I was watching TV today, and I, this is just a quick note. I hate when analysts explain things, sports analysts explain things mm-hmm. that don't need to be explained. Like, this dude, like, hurt his shoulder or had Tommy John surgery on his elbow or something. He's like, well, you know, when you, when you have surgery on your ligament or your elbow and you're trying to throw the ball. It's going to affect your throwing ability. Like, really? Did they give you five minutes on Sports Center to explain that shit to me? Why, why do you have a job? <laughs> if anything, explain Tommy John's surgery. I don't know what that is, but I know that it's surgery on your shoulder, right? Okay. Maybe you're the person they need to explain it to. Cause <laughs> yeah. Jake DeLong had Tommy John surgery, and the same shit happened where they got to explain to you how it could possibly affect them and what the procedure is over and over and over. Look, if you're watching Sports Center already, you're in the target demographic. You know what the fuck a Tommy John surgery would do to an arm. Enough. And the last thing I gotta talk about them Bobcats. Let's go, Cats. Let's go, Cats. We just came back from the Bobcats win over the Heat. Yes, sir. And I took uh, my second, the day, I took my, my part time job, I took off today. Um, got these tickets at charlottehalfoff.com because they are just, they're the best place to get broadcast tickets. Um, wish I had known that all year, but. Oh, uh, yeah, we probably went to more games. Yeah, but, you know, I, I got the tickets um, and they were they were real nice. Yes, they were. And they played the Heat, and basically the Heat are ahead of them for at the seventh seed, but when the broadcast won this game, they, they now own the tiebreaker. They've beaten the Heat three times. So they're three and zero wow. against the Heat. They're three and one against um, the uh, Cleveland. They're like Ooh. one and one against LA. Man, we we play good teams tough. Yeah. And I really want us to get in the playoffs because we'll probably be in the AC. We might get matched up with Cleveland, and we can give them a run for their money. Yeah. They still might beat us, but yeah. it, 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 it'll be a good series. I mean, you can't brush out the regular season because. Everybody did that shit with my with the Magic last year, and then the Magic beat the Cavs. Yeah, so everybody did. was like, you know, oh, Jameer Nelson's not healthy. Oh, you know, they the Magic went three and one against Cleveland, but that's the regular season. And then bam, they they get into the postseason and they beat the Cavs. Yeah, because so. you're playing them over and over and over again. People make strategic moves. Yeah, and matchups come out come to, into play. Yes, and when do. you have a terrible offensive coach like Mike Brown, anything can happen. Don't yes. sleep. Don't sleep. This is the same Mike Brown that lost that series to Orlando. Yes, and I know it was is. bad matchups, but he couldn't find any way to make the matchups work for him. Anyway. So his best strategy was LeBron James 105. And 
the sad part is this team is not scrubs anymore, the Cavs. So, you know, you can't just don't overestimate Mike Brown. But back to the Bobcats. John was on Twitter talking some shit, smooth as silk. Yeah, he was. And then when I called him after we won the game, he had nothing to say like a little bitch. <laughs> That's right, I said it, you little bitch. <laughs> I want my money at the end. When we made the playoffs, I want my money. I'm going to buy dinner. I'm going to take pictures and send it to you. Bite by bite. Him the music lover. But yeah, her, she, I'm going to go to cookout with your money, Deidre. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get me a California style hot dog, whatever that thing is. A uh, Mexican dog. Mexican dog, I'm sorry. Face. But, uh, yeah, it was a big win, and I mean, I'm still high for that win. And they made a comeback. Boris Di was playing like shit. Oh, my gosh, for three quarters. But he still sucked it up, got a bunch of rebounds, made a bunch of extra passes. And, you know, I'm in the Boris Di phase of my career, too, where, you know, I don't always – Always play the best with shooting the ball, but you gotta affect the game other places. Yeah, so I respect yeah. Boris Diaw for being like, "Hey, my jumper's off. Let me get in here and get some rebounds. Let me uh, make get some assists. Let me set some picks." And uh, the rest were just they were just oh, oh it that was, was terrible. terrible. The way they was calling the game, you'd have thought we was in Miami. I was like, "Hey, is it 82 outside? What's what's been going on here?" <laughs> we didn't get any calls to the fourth quarter. No, we didn't. But the arena was like three fourths full, yeah. and most of the people were Bobcats fans. Yes, they unlike were. Saturday and um, oh. well, Saturday was different because Steph Curry was there. People were pulling for Steph. Yeah, and but then the um, Lakers game. Lakers, everybody was pulling for Kobe. Yeah, everybody was Lakers fans. They did the MVP chant in in our arena. Yeah, they did. So that tells you how many Lakers fans was there. But uh, they performed. The Bobcats performed well when there's a big crowd, man. They really stepped up. In all three of these games, tomorrow we play Philly, so we might be able to get a 4-0 winning streak, get ourselves right back into this playoff race. I'm excited. And get me my motherfucking money. John, what's all that shit you was talking now? You wouldn't even answer your phone. Huh? Anyway, that's about it for this podcast. Thank y'all for hanging out with us for another episode. I'm going to take this one out with some big at the end. And... I don't think we got enough big instrumentals to do the whole thing, but anyway, rest in peace to Biggie, um, and we'll always love Big Papa. We will. And I love you. I love you too. And we are out. The Commission, Uncle Paulie, P. Diddy, Cesar Leo, De Janeiro, Charlie Baltimore, Iceberg Slim, the most shady, Frankie Baby. Do you know what beef is? Do you know what beef is? Ask yourself. Do you know what beef is? Come on. Ha 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 ha. Check out this bizarre rapper style used by me. The B.I.G. I put my key, you put your key in. Money will be singing. We'll reach the fucking ceiling. Check Check it. My calico been top. Uh-huh. This rap Alfred Hitchcock drop top notch. Player hating gon' stop. Uh, this instant rappers too persistent. Quick to spit. Biggie name on shit. Make my name taste like ass when you speak it. See me in the streets, your jewelry you can keep it. That be our little secret. See me. Uh, B that is, I that is, G whiz. Motherfucker still in uh-huh. my bed. I hope they know my nigga got a fucking kidnap kids. Uh, fuck them in they ass, throw them over the bridge. That's how it is. My shit is laid out. What? Fuck that beef shit. That shit is played out. Played Y'all got out. the goal. All I make is one phone call. 
All y'all disappear by tomorrow. All your guns is borrowed. I don't feel sorrow. Actually, your man passed the gap to me. I check this. What's beef? Beef is when you need two cats to go to sleep. Beef is when your moms ain't safe up in the streets. Beef is when I see you. Guaranteed to be in ICU. One more time. What's beef? Beef is when you make your enemies start your jeep. Beef is when you roll no less than 30 deep. Beef is when I see you. Guaranteed to be your ICU. Check it. I don't smoke with the best uh-huh. of them. Shot at the rest uh-huh. of them. Was about a hundred or more. Maybe less of them. Got my rocks off. That nigga from the brook just be wildin' on you, just be stylin' on so you, and I tried to warn you, but your eyes fucked up. Now I cleared them shits with hits. You on the fucking bench.